Welcome to a special edition of Hoopsville. I'm Dave McHugh. It might be the middle of basketball season, but on this special episode, we're going to talk a bit more about Division Three as a whole. The NCAA convention is this week, and it is one of the most significant conventions in the modern history of the NCAA. All three divisions have to approve or ratify a new constitution, a very new constitution. That new constitution has been worked on for the last few months or longer, depending on how you look at all this, with all three divisions being involved, including a special convention held back in November virtually. But the Constitution is not the only important piece of legislation and business Division Three has to undertake at the convention. Each year, the divisions come together to debate and vote on their own legislation as well. This year, Division Three has a number of interesting and important items to consider that will affect a lot of sports, including basketball. Later in the episode, we'll be joined by D3Sports.com's Pat Coleman to discuss the Constitution and legislative items. But to better understand what will be talked about and voted on from the Constitution to, to that legislation, we put together a roundtable of Division Three athletic directors along with a commissioner. They include Dr. Angel Mason, who is Director of Athletics at Barry College, also Chair of the Division Three Financial and Technical Committees. Jason Fine, Director of Athletics at Bates College. He is also the Chair of the Division Three Management Council and an ex-officio member of the Board of Governors and Division Three President's Council. All roles he will step down from at the end of this convention. Plus, he's a former member of the Championships Committee. Also, Brad Bankston, Commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. He is a former Management and Championships Committee member, also a former Football National Committee chair. He was one of the Division III's representatives on the NCAA Constitutional Committee. And Stephanie, or Stevie, Baker-Watson, who's the Associate Vice President for Campus Wellness and the Director of Athletics at DePaul University. She's also a former chair of the Division III Management Council and Championships Committee. She also was a representative for Division III at the NCAA Constitutional Committee as well. We gathered this roundtable at the end of last week via the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming in. I really appreciate it. Uh, we don't do panels all that often, though Zoom certainly allows it, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules, especially ahead of the convention, to talk a lot of, about all of this, not only the constitutional side of it, which encompasses not only Division Three but the entire NCA, but some interesting topics on the table that will affect or may not affect everybody at the Division Three level. I want to start with the constitutional, because obviously the Constitution is where everybody's talking or at least has their focus, maybe, uh, versus some of the other specific Division Three things. We have two members who were on the committee who kind of oversaw things to some degree. Granted, all of you had a role in some case. Um, Stevie Baker Watson and Brad Bankson specifically. I think the Constitution's complicated for a lot of people. I know I've tried to read into it a lot. And sometimes I get lost and sometimes it, I shouldn't get lost because it's pretty simple. Uh, can you guys just kind of give us an understanding of, of the changes of the Constitution? Should they be um, passed and, and put in place, what that does overall and, and maybe for the division. Uh, Stevia, happy to start with you. Well, Dave, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said you're a little bit confused about it. I don't know how many members had actually looked at our constitution before this process started. And that seemed to open up a Pandora's box because we were looking at things going, we don't, we don't do this type of thing. And then in other places we were like, oh yeah, that is, that is who we are kind of thing. So you know, this process, we say in a very simple way, took this really big document that was like 45 pages that people didn't read, and it's brought it down closer to maybe 18 pages right now. It's supposed to be more concise. You know, I can point out some of the differences 
that we're going to see should this new constitution be adopted. But I also want to be clear that this constitution is in, it, it's either positive or negative in the eye of the beholder. It's hard to sometimes say what is really going to benefit our, our division, because I think we all have different values from individual members. And I think that Brad would agree with me. We really respect that as members of the committee and others who are in this division three space. So let me start off and share a couple of things that I'm going to throw it on over to Brad to sort of fill in the blanks at the end. So first thing that we see is that the 3.18% in the constitution isn't changing in terms of our revenue distribution, but we do feel that we're going to get increased dollars back into our budget, probably about $1.5 million, which represents the overhead that our division was paying back to the National Association for general services that had been provided to us. So things like insurance, uh, some other administrative costs sort of things. And I would say in this process, what we've done is said, we're gonna reset what those services are gonna be in terms of 2022, no longer 1996. Uh, and that we're actually gonna put on paper what that is because that's a great space where we spent a lot of time, I'm gonna say debating, but maybe it was just informing our membership of what it really meant to have those services out there for them in that space. Uh, the other thing that this new constitution should it be adapted will do for us is it'll give greater autonomy to our division. And by that, it means that our president's council will be able to sponsor changes. Uh, right now, any change to the constitution has to come from the board of governors. So we'll be able to put some things out there and in front of folks for consideration. Brad, what are some of the other key things that you pulled out as we were looking at this? Now, Stevie, I think you've hit on the, the, the two key topics, certainly on a financial perspective uh, and some autonomy pieces. I think some of the things that won't not only benefit Division Three, Dave, but uh, but also the association as a whole is student athlete representation. One of the changes and one of the key topics, at least for the division or Division Three's perspective, was the the Board of Governors composition. And we went through this conversation a number of years ago when the independent members were were put on the uh, the uh, the Board of Governors. We had a debate. We had a debate. We had a vote very similar to what we're going to do related to the Constitution uh, in Indianapolis this time around. Uh, but one of the things we've done is, as we listen to the student athletes, there were three student athletes on the Constitution Committee. They were vitally, uh, they were they were fully immersed in the process, uh, so much so that even as Chairman Gates was working through the the document, there were portions of that document that were actually written by the student athletes. So our committee had the opportunity to vet those ideas, discuss those. What are those impl implications actually in the real world? you know, for the practitioners that are actually working on campuses to how that would work. And we left uh, with a representative on the Board of Governors, a student athlete representative on the Board of Governors, someone who has graduated that uh, either for division one, two, or three. And for those, uh, whoever's representing one division, the other two representatives will be in the room ex officio. So we felt like that's, uh, that's a great emphasis uh, in, in listening ear uh, for the student athletes concerns. Uh, and the composition of the Board of Governors changed dramatically too. Uh, it went from 21, to nine, uh, and as a result of that, there's no divisional uh, majority uh, within that group. Division one now has four representatives, whereby in the previous uh, Board of Governors, they had 21. So win or loss, kind of as Stevie said, depending upon which lens you're looking at, uh, in our mind, we felt like that gave Division three's voice a greater opportunity, as well with the student athletes and still having two independent members of that Board of Governors, uh, we saw a, a pretty clear advantage uh, from our end uh, in the governance of the association as a whole. But Stevie, those are the two things that, that I see. I think if you talk about whether it passes or it doesn't pass, Dave, I think that's the ultimate question. 
And, and I think uh, our, our fine friend and Jason Fine will be able to give us a little bit more information about what's next, because that's the exciting part about Division Three for, for Division Three in my mind is you know, we have this chance to kind of reset. And when we get a chance to reset, that's a chance to open up, you know, everything that we're doing legislatively and other pieces of our bylaws as we start to take these pieces of the Constitution to find a place for them. And Jason's on that group in the advisory group, and maybe he can lend a little bit more uh, credence from a management council perspective about where we go from here. Yeah, but before we jump into that, and because I think ultimately it could hinge or maybe be a part of it, I do want to circle back on the 3.18% and the BOGs to some degree. Brad, as you pointed out in the BOG, we kind of circled back on this a a couple of years ago to, to expand it, get more representation, et cetera. And I remember making a comment at the time, this was an opportunity for Division Three to maybe flex its muscle and say, hey, we're fine with with growing here. We're fine with adding more members that were probably going to be for division one, but we would like a little bit more of the percentage of this, of the pot, as it were. Instead of 3.18%, let's four. I'm making up numbers, but it seems like this year we also had that opportunity. I say we as a division to do that again and say, fine, we're, we're willing to let you make these decisions, make these changes of the constitution, but we need a little bit more because, and I'll make the f- quick argument, the, what embodies the NCAA is what Division Three is. You all use us as an example. You all use us as this is a student athlete. We want to be better like Division Three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then give us a little bit bigger piece of the pie so our championships can be a little bit more like yours. Was that ever on the table? Was that ever an option? Because you say it's at 3.18%, but are we, are, was it ever an option to maybe make that a larger number? So, uh, you know, I think Stevie knows that what all the conversations we had in that room, Dave, we can't share. So we're not going to be able to answer that question. Sure. I realized I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for I'm those joking. details. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I, that was my opportunity to punt. No. Yes, it was on well the done. table. Uh, yes, there was extensive conversation around finance. Uh, Stevie and I spent a great deal of time working with our colleagues from Division Three, looking at alternatives to try to help our, our division with the, with the percentages. You have to understand the dynamics in the room, certainly. Uh, And most importantly, the real rub wasn't the 7.55, wasn't the totality percentage, right? It was the 7.55 that is governed between divisions two and three. So division two receives 4.37, division three, 3.18. So the real kind of conversation was a better balance of the 7.55. And I'll just leave this out there to say, I'm not sure who in division two wanted to stand up and raise their hand and say, we're willing to give a portion of our 4.37 to division three. So it wasn't on the table. Yes. Did we have extensive conversations about it? Yes. And did we have an opportunity in the room to have an open dialogue about finance? We did. And uh, in the end, we felt like the progress we made on the reserve or excuse me, the overhead uh, and the opportunities that we had with that coming back to our budget, which is essentially a 5% increase um, given the given the opportunities that we had, that's that's certainly what we took, and uh, and I think it's an advantage for our division moving forward. Stevie, I don't know if you could add anything to that on the finance, and then we'll they'll get our other two panelists involved in what we're doing. Here. You nailed it. I mean, we talked about every single thing that in that document. There's not. I mean, let's be honest. There's not a sentence in there that we didn't have the opportunity to give feedback on. So we we talked about it, but like Brad said, it was really much more about that conversation of that seven point five five percent. You know, we were running numbers and and we know where we kind of want to be. And we got halfway there, perhaps, for us to be able to do things. But this is also a moment in time for our division. Now that we 
should this pass and should we know now what our bottom line budget is going to be, we need to have some philosophical discussions about how much money we're going to spend in different places and perhaps start saying no to some things so that way we can fund other things that are more important to us. Yeah, interesting perspective. And, and granted, I know that conversation about how to spend has come up numerous times. Uh, I remember other conventions where, hey, it's a 75-25 split of championships versus overhead, for lack of a better description, offices and everything else, com- uh, conferences. And is that the way we want to spend it? Majority says yes, but you're right. You know, Now that we know the reality, maybe that number uh, gets reevaluated. Jason, yeah, I do want to turn to you and then Angel, get your opinion as well. All right, so we're now at, a, at an in, impasse. Not an impasse. We're at the at, we're at the crossroads. It's either passing or it's not going to pass. Division three has the biggest block of voters. There is an argument to be made that Division three can blow this whole process up. There's also a point where it just goes along and and passes whatever everybody wants. What happens if this does pass? What's the next evolutionary step with this, and what do we see in Division three? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dave, and and. Steve and Brad, thank you for all, all that you have done, because uh, I do know that that all of those um, questions have been asked and answered so many times. And and I think it's important to note that um, <clears throat> all of these things really were discussed a lot. And I think a point that Stevie just made is, is kind of important, um, is that we are getting basically about half of what we thought we needed anyway. Um, you know, to kind of, uh, but but I think more importantly, we get this opportunity to kind of chart our own course going forward um, as a division. And as you mentioned, Dave, um, Division Three is you know the largest division, but also the division that um, arguably brings the best stories and the best in you know collegiate athletics and what student athletes achieve. Um, you know, we are tied to our. Uh, institutions in division two and division one, and especially the ones that get a lot of media coverage for doing things that probably we wouldn't be so proud of. Um, so I think it gives us this opportunity right now to go back. We do have the constitution advisory committee. Um, there'll be a, st- some type of surveying and steering group that will, you know, chart this next um, set of months, right? So that we can figure out what is the best way for us to use the budget that we have? What's the best way not only to split up that 75-25 that you talked about, but within those buckets, um, to Stevie's point, what are some things that maybe we're not gonna do anymore that we're gonna reevaluate and say, why do we do these things? And some of those things are tied to the full association and they don't really need to be anymore. So I think that there are um, definitely some advantages going forward, exactly how we chart that course. We're gonna, we gotta go through step one first, which is the vote um, and, and get past that. Um, but of course, we're having those conversations. If it passes, it goes this way. Obviously, if it doesn't, that's the end of that, those kind of discussions. So you don't want to get too far down the road, but um, there won't really be any change nor you know, any kind of reconsideration. It's not like we're going back to the table to say, okay, well, now try, now how about you give us this? That there's, there's no window for that. Um, so I think that's important to note as well. So the key being there, obviously, if it passes, it, it starts off a whole nother set of conversations to narrow everything down. What should be important with this constitution too, uh, and I, I, that I think was interesting is gives a little bit more autonomy to division three or mm-hmm. all the divisions. I remember, I don't remember what item it was, but there was a, well, there obviously is an all division vote on sports and whether it should be championships or not. And that's how we got to 90. But I, there was something that I, I remember coming up in conversation that needed to be, oh, it was the raising the dues. You needed division one and division two to kind of come on board to say, yes, you can raise your dues. We won't take 
the pot will let you keep those raised dues. You needed everybody to come on board with that. Now, if I understand it correctly, if this passes, Division Three gets to make its own decisions on its dues and what it does or anything else that relates to only Division Three. That's significant. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not only, you know, the active membership dues. Keep in mind, that's also reclassifying members, provisional members, new members. Um, I'd be surprised if Division Three was not a desirable spot for some folks that, you know, some institutions that are not in Division Three at the moment um, where they want to then end up. Um, we'll have to decide what type of parameters we put around that. And, and, you know, we are a very large division right now, you know, 460 some odd members and uh, memberships of all different types of institutions. So uh, I think that the important thing is, you know, that first step is going to be to kind of reaffirm what we are as a division um, and then figure out, you know, what we do with, you know, others that want to become and be, you know, be a part of this. And we've we've already started seeing those signs um, of yep. of even D one saying okay enough of this um, and quickly and if it doesn't pass we just go back to what we've been doing status quo rightly or wrongly as you said we're not we're not doing this all the whole process over again unless somehow D one or others want to do it this is it we're this is the end of the road as it were yeah and and I'd be surprised if. Um you know, those conversations haven't been ha happening at the D1 and, and the Power 5 level as well, right? So um, I think we have to be cognizant of that. And then we would, again, lose the, the additional 1.5 million, you know, that we sure. stand, to, stand to gain. We're still going to be able to take advantage of all of those services and those, you know, that overhead. So uh, whether it be catastrophic insurance or, you know, services from the national office, like that's all very important and it's significant money. Yeah, it is. Angel, we haven't had a chance to, to hear from you. I, I would love to get your perspective on a lot of this, considering, I mean, you, you 460 schools, we only have four of you on here technically representing all the schools. But I, I do want to kind of get your perspective on some of this is kind of not outside the room necessarily, but obviously not involved with, with Brad and Stevie as, as much either. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, to Stevie's point is is a very clear and I would say, in my opinion, right one with her starting statements is depending on where you're sitting, you see this as a positive or negative, right? And we are an extremely diverse group of institutions in division three, right? So there are those who a sticking point in not having more financially based on the percentage alone, right? There's not a lot of energy being given to the overhead that we would receive if this does actually, you know, pass and get amended, um, that it really comes down to fundamentally feeling that Division Three should be respected more for what it does for the overall NCA membership. And not giving any on that is, is where many in the division feel that there's a level of, for lack of better words, disrespect for the division. Um, Rather, I personally feel that way or not is, is really not on the topic. It's our job to represent as much of our division as possible. And that's part of it, right? So if, if this does end up passing, um, yes, I think that there are a lot of benefits. Um, I think we will have to be back at the drawing board and trying to prioritize our division, um, trying to figure out ways that we want to continue to try and build revenue do we start to identify championships that we think could be revenue generating sponsorships, things of the sort? 
all of those conversations would have to take place. I think the difference with that is we would be able to make those decisions as division three and not needing approval from division two or division one. Um, and then on the flip side of that, if it doesn't pass, then yeah, we are status quo, um, which means everything that we wanna change, we need the other divisions in order to do. And we would still have our overhead, which I think for us will lead to more conversations about how we do what we do with the monies that we do have to continue to spot support our championships and the emerging sports that are coming onto the table that will eventually get to championship status and how we continue to support those. Our division isn't getting smaller. Well, and the growth of some of those sports. I mean, some of those sports are, are, are growing rapidly to maybe see a 60-14 bracket. That's more money on the table because you got to spend on those tournaments. Um, so it's not only a growth of the division, but it's the growth of sports too. Not just emerging, but established as well. Yeah, it, it's it's both of them. And the other part becomes it all trickles down, right? There's always conversations about our championships and how we do the regions and how you make it and who you end up having to compete against. And, oh, how in God's name did this person have to play there? Well, there are a lot of things to be considered when that's taking place. And if you're just on the little island of the individual team you're you're trying to support or the that individual sport, yeah, you can't see the bigger picture, right? If you're standing right in the midst of the woods, it's very, very hard to see the shore. Angel, I feel like that was a comment towards us, but uh, it's okay. Uh, and But in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to take your line and save it on my hot button because you're right. It's when it's the, it's the what you see in your sport and not understand the grand landscape, why things can't be changed, why things are universal, et cetera. It's something that we've certainly preached. We certainly appreciate that from a, a, a larger picture. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to straw poll you guys. Obviously, I'm not holding you this, but I am curious. Do you all feel that this will pass A, through Division Three and B, overall at the NCA level? Will we get a new constitution that will allow a little bit more autonomy for Division Three? You can show hands or talk, whatever, but I, I am curious. What What do you think? Angel, we'll, maybe we'll start with you on that. Um, I do think it'll pass. Um, and I think that it will pass because there are enough individuals that see the 1.5 million overhead as a positive for the division. Um, but I think that there's probably more people that like the idea of Division Three having autonomy and no longer being held responsible to poor decisions of, of other divisions. Jason, do you think this will pass? I, I do, and I and I think that last piece that Angel said uh, for me is a is a little bit of a tipping point with folks. Um, the way that you look at everything, aside from having an opinion, you know, perspective matters, and I think uh, that that perspective is starting to permeate the membership. That um, you know, for for the longest time, Division Three has been defined really in the public eye by what we're not. Right when you ask someone, what's the Division Three? of the NCA. Oh, that's the ones without the scholarships. Oh, that's the ones with, you know, um, and we've done a, you know, I think it's, you know, the last 10 years or so with an identity initiative to really push what division three is. And I think that um, we're starting to see that opportunity is there even more now with this, with this vote. Um, so I think that coupled with the fact that, you know, um, yes, we're the largest division, but we're not the only division. And I think that division two and division one are overwhelmingly going to vote for it. So, um, so yeah, I do think it will pass. Brad, your perspective? 
God, I hope so. You know, <laughs> and I say that because uh, you've been through the meetings. <laughs> we, we've we've been in the meetings. We've seen the process, and I say that, Dave, with 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 this in mind, it's a better document. It's a better document than what we're currently working under. Um, it's it's more concise. It, it allows Division Three to kind of take the pieces that are in the previous document and apply them to our bylaws or make the changes that are necessary. And it again, depending on the eye of the beholder, whether it is a better document or not. And I would tell you, it comes down to the almighty dollar. Everything we're talking about here comes down to how we spend our money as a division. And now we have a chance to kind of have that conversation. We have that chance to have that conversation now. But this has been the kick in the pants uh, through all of this discussion over the course of the last two or three months. that's putting us in this position to do it. So do I think it's going to pass? Yes. Um, I do think there'll be some in Division Three, maybe even some at the Division One level uh, that will that will oppose it for a myriad of reasons, not just uh, not just the ones that we've talked about. And, and some of it's just principle yeah. in the process. But that's uh, that's certainly their opportunity to do that. Stevie? I think it passes. And I'm really interested to see the overlap between our Division three, Division four vote back in, what would that have been, 2008? Oh, you brought up Division four. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm really curious to see the overlap of the no's Right. Sure. But, yeah. so okay. whether or not those hundred institutions or so are about the same. And if they are, this is the moment to do something about it. We, we, we chatter a lot. And now is the time for some folks to consider action. I'm not kicking anybody out. But if 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 you <laughs> you don't feel aligned even after 15 years. Try to do something to feel more aligned. Interesting. All right. I, I love, thank you. Appreciate that. That was our first part of the conversation with Angel Mason, Jason Fine, Stevie Baker Watson, and Brad Bankston, primarily on the topic of the NCAA Constitution and Division III role in crafting that Constitution. We'll talk with them more in a moment. Several things that came from that conversation that are interesting to the point that Division III is the example of the NCAA uses to showcase the term student-athletes and what the NCAA is all about. I'm reminded of the 2015 convention in Washington, D.C. Mark Emmert, president of the NCA, spoke as he does at the start of the convention and talked about how things were evolving in the NCAA, how Division I and II were taking pages from Division Three by adding student-athletes to different boards and giving them a vote. He also spoke about how the Division Three was the shining light of what the NCA means. Part of that opening event, Mr. Emmert also had the chairs of the president's councils for all three divisions on the dais and spoke with them about their divisions. Division one spoke about how they were evolving, giving some autonomy to the power five, adding student athletes to boards and how things were going so well. Division two's president talked about how they had a budget surplus. So they were expanding championships and opportunities for student athletes. How it was so great to be in division two with its financial stability. The comments from the Division Three President's Council Chair were the exact opposite. Sharon Herzberger, the now former president of Whittier, talked about how the division was dealing with a significant budget deficit, how belts were being tightened with how the championships for all sports were being conducted, and how other areas within the growing Division Three world and their budget were getting cut or augmented. It was met with an audible groan and a somewhat of a yeah, it sucks response from those in attendance, which D3 likely made up half. So it's interesting to also hear that basically Division One wasn't willing to change the 3.18% of the overall budget allocated to Division Three. 
But even more interesting, the financial conversation revolved around the 7.55% allocated to both divisions two and three together. I know I read in several articles, and it was mentioned here, that there was talk about Division Two giving up some of their financial budget to give to Division Three. It is too bad we couldn't have found a way to round up that 7.55% to maybe seven and three quarters or even 8%. To put that in hard numbers, Division Three's allocated budget at 3.18%. Currently for this academic year is $35.1 million. If we receive 3.38%, it would be $39.2 million or more than $4 million more. If we receive 3.63% of the budget, it would equate to $40.1 million or $5 million more. If this new constitution passes, Division Three won't have to pay the overhead costs of basically running the division, which equates to $1.5 million or more. So the division does get back about half of what a small percentage increase would have been. So that's at least nothing, but it could have been so much more. For a division the NCAA says as a whole and other divisions makes the NCAA so great. When we come back, we hear from our roundtable about the legislative items Division 3 will be considering this week. Of course, Pat Coleman will join us with reactions as well. You're watching a special edition of Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Now back to the special edition of Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. We are in our NABC studios. I want to take a chance to also thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and, of course, Blue Frame Technology, all of their help to allow us to put Hoopsville on the air. While we're already recorded this episode, I should probably also remind you of our social media options in case you want to interact with us or uh, find out about future shows, including the upcoming Hoopsville Marathon. Follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville. You can use the hashtag Hoopsville. That's also how you can find us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville and the hashtag Hoopsville. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And of course, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. We'll simulcast live shows on those two avenues as well. And don't forget, you can also email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Now back to our roundtable. Our conversation continued talking specifically about the legislation Division 3 has on the agenda for the business session on Saturday. 
Angel uh, Mason from Barry, Jason Fine from Bates, Stevie Baker Watson from DePaul, and Brad Bankston from the ODAC joined me last week on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Our con- conversation continued. I'd like to talk a little bit about the Division Three items that are at the table that you guys will will discuss, vote on, not vote on, because sometimes that does happen. Things are brought to the table, and then, man, we're not voting today. Uh, thanks very much. We've tabled this conversation. That's happened a lot. Um, not going to talk about all of them. Uh, there's some that are there are basic uh, rubber stamps, or, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that there's things that need just need to be voted on to be a, a formally approved. There are a few that are interesting, uh, including some that you guys told me we should make sure to talk about, which I really appreciate. I want to start with one of those. Not that I, I want to skip football, but football always seems to have something at the convention. I say that a bit tongue-in-cheek. This is a bit of a change in, in practice playing seasons. It regards, it comes out of the health and safety and, and obviously concussion uh, ex, uh, investigations, for lack of a better description, uh, that have been done. I, I'm kind of curious, I believe, if memory serves, you all have some role in football. How how does this, how, how big is this impact or what is this bill going to do and why is it maybe so important for the division? Uh, I'm not sure who to start with, so I kind of just throw that one out there for you guys. I'll go ahead and start. We'll get this moving. So I think it's really interesting uh, and it'll be a really good thing because we're starting to make more movement related to health and safety. The additional time for acclimatization, I think, is a great thing. The con to that is we're spending too much time only talking about acclimatization in football and we're not spending time talking about acclimatization in all these other sports that absolutely need it. So I am grateful having been a proud member of CSMAS to have been able to be part of all of these different conversations about acclimatization, but the association is more than just football and we need to start doing something about it. I think that there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna have an agreement with one thing, like what's gonna happen in the fall. So, you know, two days of padded practice during a regular year, that, that extra time for acclimatization. And right now where we're at in healthcare and the availability of athletic trainers, and the pressure we're getting to provide medical care for our student athletes, I think folks are really going to struggle. Those in our chair saying, yeah, we really want that to happen in the springtime. Even though we're going to have student athletes. I mean, I've got student athletes that are on both sides of the camp of, man, that'd be really great. But I don't, I kind of like my spring experience right now. I don't know if I want to move to that. But yet I think we're going to feel pressure from the group to move that way if other people do. Otherwise it'll be used against us. So that I don't, I'm really hoping someone might choose to maybe split that uh, piece of legislation into two. Maybe the people who sponsored the legislation and maybe it might vote differently. Jason? I've heard that. I've heard that rumor today, yeah. maybe perhaps that that may happen. And, and oh. if that happens, um, Dave, the only thing I would say, and I'd, I'd hand it over to the two ADs. I, I'm just the, I'm the person who tries to implement the rules and make sure that people are, you know, kind of, doing the things they're supposed to be doing on occasion. But I would say this is the this is the division's chance, the governance chance to say, put up or shut up in, in the spring space, right? We've heard it. We've talked about it ad nauseum. You know what? Let's put it out there and see what happens, see if it sticks. So if this thing split into a preseason traditional spring kind of vote, I think we're going to see support preseason, probably support traditional and there's going to be a really interesting margin there of trying to figure out what happens in the spring because I know our football coaches want it. I'm not 100% sure all of our administrators want it. And you know what? There are really odd reasons why. Some of it's space. 
It's like we move out of our locker room for, for the spring. We give that to lacrosse. We don't have space to put the equipment. We, we get our equipment reconditioned. Can we get through all of that? Yes. Is it worth the pain and suffering? I don't know. And that's up for all these other three, these ADs, to make these decisions and their presidents to cast their ballots. So that's, uh, that's, that's my thought on it. I think it's put up or shut up in the spring, though. And the, ver- and the different reasons that you mentioned, um, you know, again, permeate the different types of institutions that we have. So, um, you know, and you could be looking at you could be looking at three different votes, you know, right? We could split this out three ways. Making my yeah, head hurt. I would absolutely echo that. I think if, if we have a, a, the ability to separate them out and somebody point no conference fingers that. <laughs> brought this forward were to separate these, then I think we would have some different, some different votes. And I think one of the things that me personally that I'm struggling with is how do I provide, you know, equitable services to all of my athletes if this type of thing takes place in the spring, right? Just the sheer support for a program of that size, it is difficult to manage in a way to where everyone else is not a second-class citizen in their championship season. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and Brad, I find it interesting too, because Yodak was one of those conferences last year who tried to, who didn't try, did play all their fall in the spring on top of everything. So you, you talk about a lot of those conversations have already kind of taken place and it had nothing to do with practice. It had to do with obviously games and trying to find locker space and whatnot. Um, and some were able to do it. And some, as you said, just flat out said, there's no way. Um, and so I do see that's an interesting split. And I agree when I read through the legislation, I didn't consider that split idea. Okay. There's one for the preseason and there's another version for the spring. Uh, quickly, Stevie, if could that happen? Or, or is it too late to make a change to that? Or can they split that and say, we're going to vote on just the preseason for football. And we're going to talk about just the preseason for spring. Well, Jason will, you know, be directing that up on the dais at that point in time, but whoever sponsors the legislation uh, more than likely would give a heads up to the national office that they were planning on uh, splitting that or supporting a split of that. And then we would literally, more than likely we would know about it by the time we gather with most of our conferences on the afternoon. And then it would be out there on the floor on, on Saturday for us to vote. Yeah. Sounds like there's been some really interesting conversation on that. So I'm excited we might hear next week. Yeah, I've got a got a, a little inkling about that as well, and um, and then you know it has to be if this then that if this then that, and right. that's usually when the chair Steve has been in that position up on the on the dais, um, you know, has to kind of direct traffic, and of course, I, I don't know when the last time something got split into three, but of course it would be my year. So uh, yeah, it's easy though. It's easy because here's the best part about it: you make the motion and it's non-debatable. So. Yeah it becomes a vote up or down. So the membership's either going to say, Hey, we like it or we don't like it. You don't have to deal with Jason. You're not going to have to have a lot of moving parts up there. It's going to be, all right, we got a motion in a second. Let's, you know, there's no debate. Let's vote and see where you want to, whether you want to split. I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think the greatest challenge will be that we're hearing from so many folks who are going to be virtual at the convention. And so we're going to miss those informal conversations of catch up with folks of, have you heard this? Have you heard that? Have you heard that? So I'm hopeful that should that be the rumor mill coming out on a Friday afternoon in our conference meetings that folks folks are paying attention to that. So that way they're ready to vote on Saturday and they're not surprised. Quickly, how would it split three ways? I saw the two. What am I missing on the third? In season, moving to 
two days of padded practice. Oh, right. Contact. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I didn't consider that. So you have the the preseason of football, you have the in-season adjustment and you have the spring adjustment. Right. I I forgot about all three. Thank you. Um, And and by the way, funny comment, Brad, about football. I think the longest debates have been football items at the convention. Uh, Could be equestrian too. Could have been equestrian. Equestrian in 2020 was pretty brutal. Yeah, Angel, we've got some horses in that race. We got to keep we got to keep right. that conversation going today. <laughs> well played. Of course, equestrian up for debate about being a a, a, a a emerging sport. I come from a school that has equestrian, so I, I'm a little surprised it's taken this long. But I'm also not. So we we aren't going to dive into that one here. But I love how you pulled that one out. Very well done. Um, all right, so that's football. We're not. I, I don't know if you want to, but do you think, well, I guess it's complicated because it could get split into three. So I don't want to ask you if it gets voted, but do you, well, I guess I can't ask you anything because we don't even know if it'll get split or not, or if it's going to make Jason uh, lose his mind. So uh, we'll no. leave that one. It's already gone. It's gone. <laughs> Fair. That's right. We'll leave that one be. Another one that jumped out at me that I found very interesting because I feel like this is almost going back in time. There's a bill up. Uh, playing in practice seasons for basically all sports. If you practice on a team currently, and even if you don't play, but if you're there for the full season and you're practicing with a team, et cetera, it counts as a year of eligibility. The idea was, that if I don't remember when, but this was basically taken out. You don't couldn't redshirt. Now it's back as to be allowed. So you can practice as long as you don't take to the court or field or whatever, and use a year of eligibility. If you practice the entire year, you don't lose a year of eligibility. I kind of understand the basis of this. There's schools who want to retain, want to hold on to student athletes or, or get a, you know, we won't get into the nuances, but I'm a little surprised. It feels like we're going back to a red shirt. I don't know who wants to start on this one, but is that an accurate way of looking at it? Am I on the right page? I, I think you are. Um, I don't know if everybody else uh, agrees, but <clears throat> for those of us, you know, all, all four of us have been in the in the governance structure game here for a while. Um, and there was a time where, you know, red shirt was Division Three's favorite four letter word. Um, right. It, it might as well have been, yes. um, you know, wait, a, wait a while. Everything comes back around That's right. um, and it's usually done, you know, with the best of intentions in the name of what is in the best intentions of the student athletes, at, at least at that particular time in people's views. Um, so I don't think you're wrong in, the, in, in, I just think some of the perceptions have changed. I will say, you know, without giving an opinion on it, that, you know, what I've heard is that um, there's, there is a school of thought that this is kind of antithetical to what, you know, our mission is in, in division three. And that's why it went away the first time. Um, so I think that bringing it back does provide an interesting, um, an interesting wrinkle. And then the other interesting wrinkle on top of that, that I'd say for Stevie and Brad, um, is that, you know, right now we are going through this constitution vote. So it's an interesting time to be making such a substantive change. And maybe, um, you know, it, it, this might not be that exact moment, considering, you know, that there's going to be a huge vote about our constitution in the future of Division Three. you know, 24 hours earlier. I would say very contested vote is my guess. Uh, I would not be surprised if someone on the floor does not make a motion to refer it um, in an effort to recognize maybe what Jason just said, which is 
there's a lot of change going on. And if I, if I remember correctly, and I've been to a lot of these conventions, so they run together for me, but the fairly substantive uh, convention in 2004, maybe is when this, uh, when this changed. And there was a lot of this, uh, changes with plan and practice seasons, non-traditional limits at that time. Uh, like Jason said, hey, you know, just wait, it'll come back. Uh, and there are a lot of different conversations. So, you know, certainly from the AD's perspective, much more more than me, I would not I would not be surprised if somebody doesn't make an effort to refer it. Just simply to say, hey, let's 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 punt and let's wait and see. You know, Dave, you alluded to that. Sometimes you don't vote on things that are on the floor. And, you know, I think this one's going to be close. I really do. Um, also related to the quote unquote gray shirt rule that existed for a period of time too, in some areas and that, that D3 somehow got rid of. And I don't remember the details now it's been too long. Um, so yeah, close vote. If, is that the synopsis? Uh, everybody feels the same way. Um, I'd be interested if it gets tabled. I think you have a good point there, Jason, about the timing of it. And, and that sometimes comes up too. Uh, another uh, one. And I, and oh, go let's, ahead. Let's just, let's just be clear. Um, you know, that can also, and Brad's laughing because he's seen this happen a bunch of times, that that can be also a self-serving tactic, right? I mean, that can be a tactic to say, well, you know, uh, I want to refer it because of the constitution, but I also might want to refer it because I think it's going to fail, or I also might want to refer it because I think it's going to pass, right? Oh, so, hey, yeah. Listen, I, I was I've right there that. with the with the reduction in contest. Yeah, right. we got the <laughs> referral on that. <laughs> that was one. <laughs> That's the one I had in my head. That's interesting. You brought that one up. I, I don't think it was a bad it. idea. I'm not going to say it still, was, still wasn't a bad idea. I, I understood your premise on it, um, but I rem- that was the one I was thinking of. I just wasn't going to call it out. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Didn't want to do that to you. But you did it to yourself. Getting rid of the the uh, window of reconsideration seemed like a good idea too. And now we'll see. You know, which one was that? That was a few. Well, that was the uh, every year they would have the most. You know, if they would have the break. And then people would go out oh, right. on the prevailing side. You could try to bring it back up. And, and you know, the argument people are leaving for their airplanes. Right. The argument was that this was an affront to the process. But the truth was that it was an affront to their travel plans. They were trying to catch planes. <laughs> so uh, so I think my claim to fame, maybe before this year, actually getting up on this. Somehow they still elected me to be on the on the management council. But I, I uh, you know, brought a motion to reconsider the elimination of the window of reconsideration. <laughs> You are a genius, sir. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always thought that was the most interesting part of the convention that you could bring back a bill uh, for reconsideration. And, and the votes sometimes were, were closer and there were sometimes where they clearly went the other direction and did not look good. So that was our conversation on some of the topics Division Three presidents, athletic directors and commissioners will be discussing or debating and at this time voting on at the NCAA convention this week. But it isn't all the topics. When we come back, we dive into the topic of automatic qualifiers in Division Three. There is a proposal to reduce the number of teams required in a, con- in a conference to gain or retain an AQ from seven to six. Our panel discusses that rather complicated piece of legislation and maybe how there could be a better idea out there. When we come back to this special edition of Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division Three level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbine. Welcome back to the special edition of Hoopsal. I'm Dave McHugh, and we're talking about the upcoming NCAA convention that will be held in Indianapolis, or even virtually for some, this week. Uh, in the last segment, we discussed some of the items in the Division Three legislative agenda, but one topic that could be the most interesting to watch are proposals 2022, 5, and 6, reducing the automatic qualification minimum to six institutions. Once again, I was joined by Angel Mason, Director of Athletics at Barry College, Jason Fine, Director of Athletics from Bates College, Stevie Baker-Watson, Associate Vice President of Wellness and Director of Athletics at DePaul University, and Brad Bankston, Commissioner of the ODAC. We got together last week on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. The other one I want to get to is, is the reduction of the minimum amount of teams, schools, whatever you want to call it, needed programs for an, for an AQ. This one's got a couple twists to it, and I'm fascinated on your perspectives on it, and I'm, I don't know how to get all the way through it. But first off, the general point is to reduce the minimum of seven for an automatic qualifying bid to the NCAA tournament in any sport to six. That's for both multi-sport conferences and single-sport conferences. There's a few twists on it, including <laughs> forming single-sport conferences and how these will be voted on. I'll get to that part later. But first off, let me start with this idea of reducing to six. I understand. Listen, I, I don't. I, you guys can answer this question better. But it feels like that's coming from sports like baseball, maybe softball, um, men's volleyball and field hockey, others that, that really don't have robust numbers. And geographically, it's hard to get a conference put together that's going to get you to the seven. Is that a fair representation of where this is coming from? I would actually, I, I'm, I don't know if I would necessarily present it that way. I mean, okay. I think if I go back and, you know, part of this, like you said, it's complex. Like looking at the minimum number for a conference moving to six as opposed to seven, right? Provides an opportunity for stability for people who are growing in that space. And I think that that's a, that's a good thing because really what we're talking about is access to championships for our student athletes. Having an opportunity, right? It's not just about me putting a banner on the wall or Angel putting a banner on the wall. It's like being able to put those kids on a bus and send them someplace to be able to have that kind of experience in all of this. I mean, I think that, you know, Brad and Jason and I, in the last couple of years, when we've been sitting together on management council, there's, there's been all kinds of waivers flying at us for all different kinds of reasons. 
And I think you get to a point where you're sort of like, okay, what's a valid reason? And can we just no longer see that waiver anymore by moving this to six type of thing? And can that provide some stability actually, right? Addition through subtraction in that kind of space. I think we're also individually making decisions on our campus about sports sponsorship because we're so enrollment driven in places. And that's not all of us, but there are some who are saying, you know what, like, I don't know if I should be playing baseball in the Northeast anymore, right? But when you make that decision individually as an institution, you're also affecting everybody else in your conference in that space. You know, we've seen an issue with women's golf in my, in my conference. And so to see that over the years, you know, another person drops, another person drops, someone makes a promise and then they, you know, suddenly now it's a much harder path for my, for my golf team, my women's golf team in particular, to try and get to a championship to an AQ. So, I mean, I've got a little skin in the game on that one, but I think it's actually good from a stability standpoint. And Angel, you've got a really large sports sponsorship por portfolio for you at, at Barry. How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I would say that I'm, personally, I'm in favor of it. Um, and I'm in favor of it because I think it will allow many of our conferences to have stronger conference alignment. I think it will remove some of the affiliate memberships because then conferences would be able to fully sponsor a sport towards an AQ um, on their own, which for many of our schools in Division III, um, financially, that could be helpful, right? Uh, because of many of the affiliate memberships, because of, you know, having to go outside of your, your, your traditional conference quite a bit, there's a heavy price tag to that many times. And trying to fulfill that, get the number of games you need, so on and so forth, can be difficult for schools. And as we try and look, and I mean, my conference, we have a good gamut of, of teams that we sponsor, uh, championships that we sponsor, and also levels of where our institutions are financially and otherwise. And it's important to consider all the schools as a part of your conference and what you're doing next. So for me, I, I'm in favor of it because I think it will help our conference be stronger. I think it gives us an opportunity to get closer to having a, a full AQ for some of our sports that, you know, right now are just smaller. Um, and if only one more school had to add a sport and they've been considering it, this would be what makes them turn around and do so. Instead of saying, well, okay, we'll add, but if we still don't get someone else for six, seven more years, we still don't have an AQ, right? So financially, is that one school willing to commit the next three, four, five, six years with their fingers crossed that it'll happen? I think uh, those, are, those are good points. And I'd say, you know, there's probably a flip side to that coin too. And I, I don't um, necessarily have a, a strong opinion either way, but just to, to represent that side of it, um, you know, sitting on a committee with, like the subcommittee for legislative relief, where you see a lot of waivers of these type of rules as conference alignment changes, as uh, institutions drop programs um, and some of the sports that, that you mentioned, Dave, you see a lot of waiver requests coming through from conferences to be able to keep an AQ with, with six. Um, and I think that, you know, some of this uh, proposal kind of stems out of that, right? Takes away theoretically, all of those proposals coming through. Um, what it then might open the door to is now the request comes through for five, right? That now we've got six and six is good, but now we only have five because we lost another one and we need 
um, SLR to look at that waiver request. And now, you know, we're looking at five. So at some point you start to dilute the, um, you know, the amount of teams and then that access ratio that you might have access to for championships too. So I think there's, you know, there's two sides to it. I think Jason really hits a lot of the key points in, in some of the dialogue with the commissioners recently. Part of the part of the rationale in this is that divisions one and two already have, they have the same number. And, and it's not a six being the AQ. That's not a fair comparison. Uh, we've talked about the differences with finances earlier in this in this discussion, right? So their bracket sizes, the way they bracket, the manner in which they see, the manner in which the, the money they have is supposed to travel, an opportunity to travel. It's not a fair comparison to say that division three needs to be the same as divisions one and two in that number. And, and the other thing to look at is the average size of a conference, you know, so the question becomes it's, it's over 10 at, at the division three level. So knowing that, in my mind, at least, I'm not sure where our membership's going to be because we benefit, as, as Stevie said, we benefit on the on the skin in the game for women's women's uh, golf, perhaps. You know, to be able to preserve an AQ that we have in our league, at the same time, you know, to me, I'd love somebody to look at the look at it going the other direction because it really hits on what Jason just said at the end of his statement, which was the access ratio to championships. It's a philosophical debate. Do you want more in from a conference and you're okay with them being six and that diluting the opportunity for at-larges or would you rather see leagues larger getting the automatics and then having the opportunity for at-larges as a result of that? I Push comes to shove. I'm not sure where the membership would be. In my mind, if you've got a larger league, you would vote this. You, would, you wouldn't be in support of this. But I don't think that's true because I think it comes back to a sense of it's empathy is not the right word, but it's important to recognize that the preservation piece that Stevie talked about is at the forefront of all of this. And part of it is institutions closing and the future of, of higher ed in certain regions and institutions forcing leagues to make very difficult choices with membership shifts because of institutions that are closing. So I really think that's the reason for this is this constant churn in a certain region or regions of the country related to membership and a preservation of those leagues is the real reason why we're talking about it. Do some sports benefit? Yes. Is there a better way for us to review perhaps, and God forbid we'd ever do this, but we've got a chance of actually looking at what the AQ number in a certain sport should be. So maybe it is six in field hockey. Maybe it should be 10 in, in men's or women's basketball because then it creates a better balance of what is an AQ versus what isn't an AQ. And I don't know if we'll ever get there. And it all goes back to the chicken or the egg. Why is it seven? Well, it's close to the ratio. I don't think that's all of the reason why it's seven. I think back then the membership may have been eight. The average number of members in a league in a, may have been eight then. And it's not now. So it's really difficult to kind of go back and, you know, put the genie back in the bottle on that number now it's like, let's do the same thing as divisions one and two. And, and in theory, I, I don't buy that as being a reason to say yes to this. Not to say, again, I think our membership will support it. I'm not sure we're having our meeting on Friday just to, to clarify all of that, but I'm not sure what we'll be, but we're a bigger league. And, and it, does, it doesn't work to our advantage in this situation for this to pass if it were to change the AQ complexion of championships. That's just obvious. I'm just stating the obvious. 
but but interesting you bring up the bigger leagues but you also brought up securing women's golf because i also would say the bigger leagues yeah. do have some of those sports that's right that this will help so it, it's kind of a weird dichotomy you, it yeah, is balancing it is. to your point about maybe every sport needs to have its own number which i think is a tremendously good point this does maybe have an unintended consequence and i'm going to bring up that other f word that we brought up earlier uh, that starts with eight letters, um, football. There's only five at large in football. You go to six across the board, including football. And I could, from the own, my own work that I've been doing for the past few months, I could foresee two or three of those gone and being AQs just in the next year or two, if not all of them. I'm not going to say I know for sure all of them. I just know there's a few that would disappear in the next year or two, could should there be an exemption for for a sport like football that just cannot expand any further under the current structure? I, I don't know. And granted, maybe it can. Or to your point, should every sport be reviewing what is an AQ in the definition of that sport? Well, if I, remember, I haven't thought. Of, go ahead, Stevie. If I remember correctly, the access ratio, though, to set the the championship itself is actually policy. So the number of teams that the football playoff isn't going to change. It's not going to move from 32 simply by moving this. No, they're locked in. Right. But there may be some leagues to your point that sit at six right now that are eligible for that pool C now. Well, now they're going to be a pool a into that space. I don't know. You know, we've had some discussions. I don't know how many leagues are going to bust up to try and get to a space where they've got, you know, they've had, 14 members, some of these larger leagues, they have 14 members that are playing men's soccer and now they're going to split and go seven and seven. So that way they can, can take advantage I, of those. AQs. Stevie, I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't think you'll see necessarily busts up, but I have, and, and this will for, for a future story. I, I don't want to say too much. There's going to be movement where there's at least maybe two or three AQs gobbled up. And you know what? There probably should be, if I'm totally honest. If there is a better opportunity for somebody to go, they oh, should sure. do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I also think too, like we, you know, you sort of started in terms of we started talking about football. Football doesn't drive the bus every time at all at all of our institutions about where they want to go and why they want to be in a multi-sport conference. And to Angel's point, being in a single sport conference can sometimes be pretty expensive. So it, it'll be interesting to see who who makes the move should this be passed yeah and i would envision you know conferences that have five schools within their conference that sponsor a sport right and they've had a six that have wanted to sponsor it but has just decided a little bit too pricey or you have a conference that has six but they're kind of split up in different conferences and now they're like well if we just come back together we're now all under our umbrella right and it's we have a full sponsorship within ourselves i envision more of that than i do our larger conferences splitting in half for all the sports right i think this is more towards a handful of sports within a conference that really doesn't have their primary membership able to get an aq on its own brad you had a thought 
earlier. Did you want to go back to that? I, I don't yeah. know. I'm so, setting so, you up. Yeah. Maybe. This is this is a basketball show, so nobody wants to hear us talk a lot about football. No, it's fine. And, we're gen- we're general here. We do everything. Yeah, I, I would I would say to you, it, and this is this is like sacrilege. So if I say it, people will cringe. I'm not sure why football in the state that they're in can't make a case to say that they should have their access ratio. They should ask the question. And, you know, that's the only sport that I'm aware of other than the ones that are capped at 64, where they haven't had an opportunity to, to say that. And does it increase by a week? It does. Same reason why we don't go over 64 for, for some of the other sports. Now we could, you could play in midweek and and have something that next weekend and, and, you know, some sort of a pigtail kind of environment, but, I've, I was on the football committee. I chaired the football committee. It was restraint. It was a restraint. Then it's a restraint now. And if you, what you infer Dave may happen, you know, the, the, the lid will be blown off of that conversation because there won't be any at larges or if there will, there'll be one or two. And that, that will put a tremendous amount of strain on that football conversation in general. So you know, I, I think that there's some, I don't know how to fix championships. I think I could sit here. I'm just not smart enough to be able to lay it out and, and figure out, you know, can you be specific? Are there caps? You know, we had a long conversation with the commissioners this morning. I don't mind sharing this. You know, people have a perception there's a cap on the number of AQs. There isn't. I mean, you know. Well, the max on the tournament, right? Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> as a division, as a division, we haven't made a, a philosophical or a fundamental stance as to what size a league should be. It's been come one, come all. Where in Division Two, there's a buy-in that you're a certain size, and if you're coming in, you better have a membership home because you're not you're not just hopping into the, to the fray here. They've moved in lockstep together to better balance their championship fields, and this is a total conversation for a different day, but. In my opinion, I'm not sure we'll ever get there. Again, genie out of the bottle, right? But how do you fix it to, to appease what people want, which is a which is some healthy balance? You know, and I it's in the eye of the beholder. We just talked, we talked that at the, at the beginning of the Constitution. I think it's true here too. And you know, and I, we benefit, you know. I think what I think what Angel said was spot on. You know, you got two or three, you got three or four teams in a, in a sport now, and you got that little spark, right? Maybe men's volleyball is one that I know that I, that a lot of conversation, certainly in the mid Atlantic, that's just going to, you know, if that, you know, Hey, we get a little push, we've got enough. We can have an AQ as a league. We can play and, you know, we can make this arrangement with this other league nearest to be able to schedule. And Hey, that's, that's great. So that benefits everybody that benefits a league that's big. It benefits a league that's small. You know, I, I don't, I don't know this. So the debate on this one should, I think should be pretty interesting. And, you know, the single sport piece, is it going to encourage more of those? I mean, nobody really wants to sit for two years without an AQ, I don't think, but they might. They well, might. To that point, that's the other element of this. <laughs> There's, so technically, it's to change that rule that single sport could also go to six. But the next one in order of voting, and there's an order that these are put in, probably Jason's fault, um, <laughs> that the next one coming up after that vote on AQ is what is the minimum for a single sport conference and and i know ones like men's volleyball is a good example uh women's across uh and some others but it's just one conference for that one gender for that one sport and i want to point out the gender part of that that would also then have its own bill to be voted on on whether they can reduce from seven to six i 
and, and one of the questions that was asked in the in the information was, well, which one gets voted first? With and and if it's if this isn't voted on, will this be voted on? That's an interesting thing because one could impact the other depending on which one votes in which order, right? <laughs> the, what did we use? Jason, what's your term? Go ahead and use it because you know you, you may have to use it. Mootnicity. <laughs> I like that. I, I, what, is, what is the mootnicity? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could still, if five didn't pass, I'm not sure, or if five got defeated, why you would still vote on six, but I guess you could. It doesn't have well, to be the same. Right. I mean, it is a separate proposal, but it's certainly you know, hand in hand with the other one. So, um, well, and if, if, I mean, you could have a motion to refer that back as well. And then right. you're, then you're left with, okay, what do we do with this? Well, I, I guess we make a motion to refer that. One. That, that was my next question is if you pass it, you got to figure the next one's a slam dunk. And maybe it isn't maybe because they say it's a single, who knows that it can get complex too. If you table it or refer it, as you say, that could change the outcome of the next one. Well, wait, why would we vote on this if we don't even understand our AQ situation? And it turns into a rather interesting period of time up on the dais. Well, uh, yeah, and keep in mind, again, with the uh, possible changes to the division coming out of the constitution vote and where funds are gonna be directed towards championships, that could change the whole conversation mm -hmm. about Access ratio, number of teams in the in there, you know, anyway. So and that was gonna be my follow-up. Could all of this to joke a little bit be a mute point? <laughs> if, if if the constitution does or does, you know, you might come back and go, okay, we've got a new constitution. We need to just refer all this stuff and and come back to the table after we figured out the big stuff first. Certainly, I think you, that that's a possibility. That'll make business day a little bit easier for some. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that, though. I no, no, I, I just figured I'd throw it out there. You just never know. Um, I mean, there's other bills out there to talk about, and, and I don't want to get it. I've, I've had a lot of your time. Those were the big ones I kind of wanted to hit on because those were the big impact ones. Obviously, the AQ in a sport like basketball, the change in the number of the AQ may not have a, a huge impact. We've got, right. what, 19 to 21 at large bid, so it's not a huge deal. But flip that to a sport that conferences are struggling with, to get AQs, that's a big impact. And then all the way to the other side of that, where football, as I mentioned, you know, you've got very small margin of error. Um, quick question to follow up on that football one, though, and I don't know if you guys know the answer. Is it too late to add an amendment, i.e., can you go in at this point and go, like, we'd like to add an amendment. Football is going to have eight. Or add an amendment that we want to have each um, – each sport have a different number, or is that what the referral process is going to need to be done? Right, that would be part of part of that. So, so the the legislation is is locked in in its form okay. that it is now because there was a window that, that right. was open for that type of consideration. So, um, yeah, you would refer it back or defeat it. Um, you know, and we've seen this happen before. We've seen this happen with um, you know football proposals with graduate student participation proposals, where sometimes it's getting it out there on the floor. To, to get it into the mix and have the debate and it does get defeated, but then you see it come back the next year in a different form. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. I've seen that a few times. Oh, again, I appreciate all the time you guys gave us uh, to, to try and dive into part of this. I know it's a lot more nuanced. I wish I was coming to the convention. It's not going to happen this year. Um, but I have enjoyed my time getting to, to see how it all plays out. And honestly, in my opinion, I think you need more than a few days 
uh, at these conventions because I think there's way too many moving parts. But uh, after these last two years, no, no, we no, no, need no. more than a few days. Yeah, yeah. I had we, a feeling there was a counter thought to that. That's the one. That's the one advantage in all of this. When we get a chance to redo this, we can change our legislative cycle. We might not have to do this every year. That would even be better. Wow. So we would have a chance to chew on this for a couple of couple of years when we have these pieces of legislation. So interesting. You know, again, that's just pie in the sky. That's just wishful. <laughs> Brad, you always have good ideas, though. I like them. I don't know. I don't uh, like the some, okay. Some good ideas. We'll we'll leave it at a 50-50 for you. Um, all right. So as tradition on this show, we always give guests the final word. So I do want to kind of get your final thoughts, either it's constitution, a D3 items, specifically the, in, in the entirety of the convention, whatever it may be. I would love to get your thoughts. Uh, Angel, I, I'd love to start with you just your final thoughts or, or something you want to make sure people who are tuned in understand that you want to express. Yeah. Um, I would just say it will definitely be an interesting convention. I think it being the first one in person, um, in, you know, two years, but also it being not fully in person. Um, we'll see if the business runs smoothly with a portion of our membership and voting delegates online. Um, and I think after we have this constitutional vote, we'll kind of see how day two really plays out for us in just the division three legislation itself, because I really do think that if that passes, then Division Three should start out the right way by taking time to consider who we want to be and how we want to do things, considering our finances as a division, as well as how we want to sponsor our sports and number of members. So we'll, we'll see. It should be an interesting couple of days. I'll just go in order, Jason. I'll come back down to you. Um, well, I, I, I agree um, with Angel and you know, let me say, first of all, Dave, thanks for giving us the opportunity to, to talk about this. Um, a lot of folks have given a lot of time over the last, even though we haven't been in person to see each other for two years, um, a lot of time to, to what the future of this, um, you know, division will look like. And I believe that all of them, no matter which side they're on, um, do it with the best of intentions and for the best, um, you know, future for student athletes, coaches, um, administrators, uh, you know, in the division. So what I will say is that, yeah, after that day and we get into our divisional session, um, you know, I hope that everybody remembers that, you know, there, there are going to be people in that room that are going to be disappointed, right? It's not, it's not going to go everybody's way because that's why there's a vote. Um, I am confident that division three is going to continue to kind of set the example as the shining light of the, not only the association, but maybe set an example for some other areas right now where our fellow, you know, uh, Americans have not shown a great example, right? We've splintered apart in a lot of ways when it comes down to, to things not going our way when it comes to a vote. So I'm hopeful that we'll be able to move forward as an example of that we are still one division three and that we are going to figure it out and forge this path, which, path whichever way the vote goes. Well said, Brad. You know, Stevie and I have done a lot of these together over the course of the last couple of months, um, trying to, I guess, educate our membership as best we could, given the circumstances around the Constitution. And I play, I play the bad cop. She always played the good cop. So I'm going to steal I'm going to steal her thunder by saying it has been at least the time that I've done this. And I, I can't believe I'm saying it. It was a it was an enriching, enriching experience from the perspective of being able to work with our membership, the division three membership and, and see that 
this is an opportunity for Division Three, even regardless of the vote, but even more so with a yes vote on the Constitution, it's an opportunity for the division to move forward collectively, as Jason said. Um, and, and again, even, even in the midst of the COVID environment, as Angel referred to, you know, how, how do we function at this convention? But together, I, I think there are bright days ahead for the division, and we've just got to get through this hurdle that we can, and I think we will. Uh, Stevie, you, you now have to follow that. Bad cop. I'm not the bad cop, and I'm not the good cop. I said I was the bad cop always. You were always the good. Never, we never tag teams like that. I know. I was. You always were the optimistic. You were always the optimistic one. I was always the one giving the details. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to tell people what they need to remember next week. I want them to be human. (laughs) I want them to be kind. I want you to stay in your room if you've got any kind of symptoms from a COVID lens. (laughs) So let's go there. Okay, but I think that folks need to also, they need to see the forest through the trees in all of this, right? We've got a lot of things in front of us that could impact our work for the next year, for the next five years, for the next 10 years. Our goal, I think our goal is to make sure that our division is still thriving for the next hundred years. And so while that may seem weighty and, and some of these decisions we, we're making now might be very small, they're all just steps in this path for us. So folks need to come to convention prepared to have open, honest conversations with each other, even though they might have other stress and frustrations that are you know, looming in the back of their minds during these moments of time. And we need to make sure that when we walk out that door that we agree we are still gonna be in lockstep because we all believe in the same thing. We want the best for our student athletes. We want to have a stellar experience. And we want the Division Three model as it exists today to be able to continue until we really feel like we need to pivot and do something different. So I'm excited for those who will make the trip to Indy. I'm not taking anybody out to dinner, though. I'll say that as much. But if you want some food delivery places, I got some good ones I can share for you. <laughs> no, I am regretting not coming to to India. I just want to get the list of the good food places that will deliver, that will deliver. I know the good ones already. Uh, again, thank you all for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, yes, we're a basketball show, but we try and cover the entire division. And this was really informative for everybody. I think even those who may realize that they're informed, they, they I, I mean, I learned a lot from this myself and I appreciate your time. Uh, safe travels for those of you traveling out there. And uh, we'll look forward to touching base with you guys on the other end. Thank you, Dave. Thanks. Once again, thank you to Angel Mason, Director of Athletics at Barry College, Jason Fine, Director of Athletics at Bates College, Stevie Baker Watson, Associate Vice President for Wellness and a Director of Athletics at DePaul University, and Brad Bankston, Commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, who joined me last week, by the way, for that roundtable discussion on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. There's a lot of legislation. We should note there are some other legislative items on the agenda for Division Three during the business session that will take place on Saturday. Uh, one is changing the legislative authority and process for the D3 President's Council, basically giving the President's Council authority to sponsor and adopt emergency legislation under specific circumstances. Uh, there is also an item that will require the NCAA Eligibility Center to certify amateur status of international students. Currently, each institution is responsible for that certification. This will essentially house that entire process. Also, there will be a fee for those students for that process. An item for D3 schools that will have D1 programs that applies more of that rules and legislation for that D1 sport under D1. In other words, more of a split. 
Also, establishing equestrian as an emerging sport for women and eliminating the option for a student athlete to waive a sickle cell solubility test. Also, of course, some of those bills might be split up. It'll be a busy convention for everyone, especially at Division Three. When we come back, Pat Coleman from D3Sports.com joins me to discuss what we heard from our roundtable panel, and we discuss how many of these items will or won't impact Division Three or specific sports. This is a special edition of Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Welcome back to this special edition of Hoopsville. I'm Dave McHugh. Once again, I want to thank those who joined me for that roundtable discussion about the upcoming NCA convention. The constitutional vote and the legislative items Division Three is scheduled to vote on this week it really meant a lot to me that they took their time. But what does it all mean and how does it possibly impact the entire division or individual sports? What is the outside perspective on all of this? Now joined by Pat Coleman from D3Sports.com, D3Football.com, D3Hoops.com, D3Minnesota.com. I, I don't know. Uh, Pat, good to have you as always. Obviously, we'll be chatting more and more on Hoopsville in general. Uh, this is a, obviously our special talking about Division Three as a whole. Um, so thanks for the time, first and foremost. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the conversation with the panel was enlightening. I, I, I got... More out of it than I expected. Um, certainly some forthrightness that, uh, that I wasn't expecting, I think. Um, but more importantly, a great insight that, I, that we don't, I don't think we get a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You've got a, you had a, a nice, you know, pretty diverse uh, panel in terms of geography, right? Or as diverse as we get in Division Three. You had a, a nice range of schools, right? You've got, uh, you've got the NESCAC represented. Um, you've got the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, these are people who live and breathe this stuff. I mean, you and I live and breathe this stuff from yeah. the fan perspective and from the regional advisory committee perspective and rankings and that sort of thing. Um, you've been to these, uh, you've been to these conventions, but so much of the of the work is done well beforehand. And yes. just to hear that panel talk about what was done uh, and the conversations that have been had, definitely I would consider that enlightening. 
Yeah, it, you you had the management council, which is also championships committee, and even the, the admin committee, all with Jason Fine. You had the the constitutional committee from two members who have been heavily involved in other committees, including management council. Uh, and then you have Angel Mason, who comes from a, I don't want to say fringe, but a kind of the quieter side of everything, who's involved, but you know doesn't seem to be as noticed. Those committees that have a lot of say in these things. Uh, and I thought, and we'll get to the money side of it later, but I found it very interesting that Brad and um, uh, Stevie both emphasized, listen, we had our chance to talk and we were listened to. So that it kind of made me feel better to some degree that that Division Three wasn't just like, OK, OK, OK. Right. Um, and, you know, as far as uh, Angel Mason is concerned, I mean, today I learned there was a Division Three technology committee. That's yeah. not exactly <laughs> one that is our big go to for a lot of uh, news effects. Uh, the sort of things that uh, that we cover, uh, you know, obviously good to hear that uh, Stevie and Brad have been on this kind of uh, this tour, laying it out for schools. Right. Uh, uh, there are so many things going on there. Lots of uh, things. I just was happy to see, too, you know, simplifying the the Constitution can only yeah. can only be a, a positive it does seem that like, even though, and I know we'll talk about money a little bit later, but I just, you know, I think the most important takeaway for me was that um, even though you might be, and I was fixated on the fact that the 3.18% isn't changing, but things will probably still get better for division three budget yeah. wise. And, and we could talk about that later. Yeah. Kind of a little bit of a juxtaposition there. Um, yeah. So great, great insight for them. I really appreciate their time. Uh, there's lots we could dive into with these things. That's why I find the constant, uh, not the Constitution, but the convention so fascinating. I wish it could be out there this year, um, but it just wasn't to, wasn't to be, though. I mean, maybe at the last minute. Um, let's start with the football side, since obviously you've got you guys are just coming off the football season. I actually found the conversation about football practices more interesting than I than I realized. And, and I and I jokingly said, and they all agreed, almost every darn convention, there's some football topic that has to be decided on in division three. Some of those conversations when I've been in the room have been the longest and the most drawn out. Um, and, and originally I don't think this was a topic I thought we needed to dive into. It seemed pretty straightforward to me. They, they revealed it's not and it. It's far more complex and I'll, I'll get to it later, but I, it also affects other sports possibly, but we'll get to that in a minute. Your reaction just initially on the complexity of just trying to get these practices for players. Well, I think one of the things that uh, one of the reasons why football keeps coming back and there's conversations about it all the time is because, you know, um, and I'm coming at it from football centric guy, right? Yeah. But football is treated inequitably at the division three level, right? Fair. We do not have uh, regular non-traditional segment practices. Uh, you know, we do not have, we have uh, an access ratio that is worse than the rest of the division three sports because we're capped at 32 teams yet we have in the tournament right in the right. tournament right we have yeah. uh yet we have anywhere between 239 and 245 or whatever depending on the season plus or minus the NESCAC participating at any particular time right. um and yeah we the the practices thing and the practices the acclimation practices and you know doing away with or gradually, you know, eliminating the tradition of two a days, which was a big football thing for decades and decades and decades, which needed to happen for the health of the student athletes um, has been a long conversation. And some of these things have been brought up multiple times because they haven't been solved. And I think part of it, Dave, is because 
you know, um, not quite half the division, a little bit more than half the division plays football. Right. There's, you know, Jason Fine said, what, 460 schools. And that means that 220 of them don't play football and probably don't give a you know what in a lot of cases about the needs of football. Um, And I think in a lot of cases, you know, those are things that that don't. So they get tabled or they get voted down because half of the membership just doesn't care. It doesn't affect them. And maybe some of them are anti-football. Maybe some of them aren't. I don't know. But I think that's why we keep revisiting these things. Yeah. And and I think they realize and I think it was hinted on that sometimes decisions that are made for football have a trickle down to those other sports, whether you've got football or not, you know, in a good or bad way. I, I'm not trying to, to delineate, but I, I found it interesting because I think it was Stevie that said it. She along the lines of, you know, it's we're focused on these football practice things. And in reality, these need to also be true for other sports. You talk about two days, geez, two, three a days were common when I played soccer. Yeah. And in hindsight, what were we doing? Um, and I know that's had a slow trickle down to other sports to eliminate that stuff, but it started with football. So that's why football has become such a big conversation factor. There is a trickle down. I think some of those schools without football go, Whoa, well, this is eventually coming for us, whether we like it or not, maybe we can cut it off at the head. But that all said, it's interesting. I, I came away from that conversation thinking this is either going to get split into two things, maybe three things. Or get tabled altogether. <laughs> this is all over the place. And I think you certainly could deal with all of those uh, three things individually. And maybe, oh, absolutely. And maybe you do get different uh, answers for each of them. It is, listen, it's certainly uh, at some schools, having your football guys in pads in the, uh, in the non-traditional segment in the spring is going to be an issue because maybe indeed that football locker room is being used by lacrosse or something else in the spring. And if you're, you know, if you're just if you're just having a non-padded practice, it's a little bit simpler to you know to prep for practice. If you need a hundred and whatever guys in pads, you need to you need to have those things somewhere. And I was actually really good point about um, having to have uh, pads and then also helmets refurbished or you know uh, replenish those purchases. Those are things that happen in the off season, right? So I could uh, I could totally understand that. Well, um, athletic training yeah. staff and, and fields and, oh, right. I mean, the I guys mean, could go back to their dorms and, and shower if they're not worrying about pads and stuff, but you need to have trainers. You need to have a field. You need to have um, even more things that we're not considering there, you know, assistant coaches who may be involved with other sports, right? There's a, there's a litany of things here, right? Part-time coaches who have, uh, you know, their full-time jobs elsewhere and need to yeah. make their money in the spring, um, you know, I also think too, that, you know, you can get by, you can't get by without athletic training staff for sure. You can get by without some of your volunteer assistant coaches in the spring for spring practices. I mean, we are already having 16 or so practices already as it is in the spring. And almost everybody is participating in some of those uh, in some number, if not everybody, all 16. So this, that in and of itself is not a big change. Um, I do think that, you know, we just saw, in the spring of 2020, one, yes, 2021, these, yeah, these years are all running together. Oh, I hear uh, <laughs> that. Uh, you know, we we saw um, teams participating in spring practice. A lot of them. I mean, a lot of uh, probably about um, a. Uh, they were probably about a quarter of Division Three played a, a real number of games. Yeah. in the spring of 2021. So 
those kind of case studies are already out there. Case studies about uh, student athletes well-being uh, yeah. can be done. They're already out there. I mean, Mary Harden Baylor won the national championship. They played a full five games in the spring. They played 15 games in the fall. Those kids played 20 games in the 2021 calendar year. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know how that affects people, yeah. uh, go look at that. Obviously, Mary Harden Baylor has locker room space and they have field space yeah. and football is a priority for those guys yes. down in Texas. But, uh, you know, I think that I'll, um, there's obviously some concerns, uh, you know, but, you know, Angel Mason, I mean, Barry played a full spring schedule as well. Uh, DePaul played games in the spring uh, in football in 2021, where a lot of the North Coast Athletic Conference didn't. The ODAC played a full thing, as noted. And obviously the NESCAC did not. But I mean, all of those people uh, on that call have basically seen on that call. I've, I'm very corporate today. No, I hear you. <laughs> all those people on, on, your, uh, um, on this uh, roundtable have all seen spring football happen. Yeah, I I, again, if it's broken into three, I agree with you. I could see votes going all over the place. I, this is not an educated uh, um, th- thought, but I could see the um, preseason stuff passing, just trying to make sure that the, that everybody, especially in hot and humid condition, uh, are, are doing the best for the student-athlete. The in-season one, I don't know. I, I could see a lot of pushback on that, trying to make sure that you don't lose what the coaches feel. I mean, when this was discussed with just the spring, and I'll get to that in a second, just the spring conversation about whether they should or shouldn't have pads and whether they should be, uh, it's a teaching tool or not a teaching tool. There were some coaches that said, we need this. We need to teach. We need to make them better, et cetera. And there were other coaches that said, if they're not good enough by now, it's too late. Um, well, and I come and you mentioned I'm in Minnesota. That's where John Gallardi really pioneered the whole concept of yeah. not, not tackling in practice, not having pads in practice. Um, and you know, then, you know, the Ivy league has done this over the course of the past yes. several years, too much fanfare, uh, even though John Gillardi invented the thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of schools are doing it right. And that's, you know, yeah. my understanding, although I am not an NFL expert, my understanding is that sort of thing is regulated at the NFL level. It right? is. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yep. I think that, I think if you want to do something positive for the health and uh, welfare of student athletes, that's the thing to do. You do not need to have speaking as someone who's never coached football. I just, with that caveat, I don't know that you need, uh, you need to have padded practices more than those couple of times a week that this thing is talking about. Yeah. So I, in season could be fascinating. And then the spring, I mean, like per the last conversation, who knows where that goes? Um, so it could be split into three. I'll be fascinated. Uh, as Brad said, that might be the, the most, um, detailed and, and contentious if for lack of a better word, um, a debate among everything that they deal with. Um, the other one that's interesting that kind of relates to football, Pat, is <laughs> the AQ. Automatic bid. Yeah. 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 Um, listen, depending on the perspective of the sport I'm looking at it this from, I've got different opinions on it. I I know we were talking about this off air. Maybe we, we save it. I, I just loved what Brad said. But initially, let's just start with initially. Dropping from seven to six. If I'm in a sport like um, – Women's lacrosse, men's volleyball, or any lacrosse, really. Men, but I know there's a conference specific to women's lacrosse. Uh, men's volleyball, any of the ice hockeys, as you pointed out to me earlier. Um, I, I know I'm forgetting one. That, oh, field hockey. Field hockey, yeah. Baseball, softball. Baseball. If I'm in any, if I'm looking at it from any of those perspectives, dropping to six makes logical sense to try and, as one of them put it, make sure the access to the tournament is a little bit more equitable. 
as it were to other sports. Yeah. If I'm looking at this from basketball and soccer, I maybe shrug my shoulders. I'm looking at this from football. If, if you're truly understanding the landscape of football, I am not a fan. Yeah. And then, you know, in division three football, I think we have 10 conferences or maybe it's 11 that are seven teams. Um, and, you know, to instead, uh, I really, I mean, you mentioned maybe not talking about what Brad Bankston said, but I think it's absolutely well, going to get to it. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, it dovetails exactly what it, you, you just said. I mean, you said uh, if you're looking at it from a perspective of, a, of one sport, you might think of it differently than if you do of the other. So let's just let's just build that into the system. I agree. Let's just say football should be eight. I, I don't know if basketball should be 10. That was yeah, who uh, knows? Yeah, that was uh, that was, interesting that was a big to think number. About. <laughs> right. But, I but he was to- taking the average. Yeah, right. No, exactly. It's true. I mean, there are a couple of really large conferences that skew that average, right? And Brad's, and, and is, it, and Brad's is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, you know, uh, but ice hockey at six. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yep. Uh, six field hockey members, six baseball members. I think that's absolutely a, a really good way to go. It's, it's difficult in some parts of the country to field a baseball team, right? Because you can't get out on the field uh, really and play home games until what? April 1st in a lot June. of places. <laughs> right. And then selection Sunday is like six weeks later. You're trying to get 40 yeah. games and you get seven games in, in Florida. Yeah. And then you come back and you wait three weeks and you yeah. try to get your other 33 games in, in a, in a blitzkrieg. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of pr- schools don't participate in that. Baseball is kind of a, it's kind of a one-off sport, right? It takes a, it takes a lot of real estate to play. Uh, takes a good amount of equipment. You end up traveling a lot. Kids a lot, miss a lot of class time. Not every school is into that. So like the Empire 8 has really struggled to field uh, a full complement for baseball. That's just one example kind of over the past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Forever. Um, and so there's been a lot of conference movement up there and sure some of it's baseball and schools have tried to add baseball and yes. it hasn't necessarily taken. So I see, I mean, absolutely. I understand that. That makes perfect sense that we do that for a handful of sports. If you do this in football, you are going to have some of these conferences that only that where their members are out playing football somewhere else, because you only have, let's say, I don't know, four SUNYAC members or whatever sponsor football. Um, What if the SUNYAC then decides, well, we're going to pull, you know, uh, Buffalo state back and we're going to pull Cortland home. And I don't know, maybe we add SUNY maritime because they're a SUNY school or they're not SUNYAC. Right. And then you've taken an AQ away. Um, and then, you know, uh, and now we're down to four at large bids instead of five. And of course, without ever talking about the elephant in the room, the elephant as in the jumbos, as in Tufts, as in the NESCAC, yes. taking, taking a football automatic bid, which they are entitled to do, but choose not to because they don't want to play football. But that could season. get changed at the drop of the hat. Absolutely. I mean, right. The, I mean, the, there, are, there are presidents at those NESCAC schools who I think are starting not to lean towards fo- that football. I mean, I mean, are starting to 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 realize the athletics is just great. And, and there I know there are some who are trying to elevate their schools be, through their sports at yeah. the NESCAC. It doesn't mean a tie doesn't change. And also they're like, you know, why aren't we letting football play? Right. And yeah, right. there's another bid gone. Yeah. So what happens if I mean. Like, I don't know what happens if uh, two USA South schools go on and two SAA schools and two schools out of the ASC sure. all in the general Southeastern part of the country sure. decide we're going to lift our 
our teams out and go do something new in football. They could get an automatic bid if it's six teams and the SAA and the ASC and the USA South would all still have theirs. And now we Absolutely. have 30 automatic bids instead of 32. This is very real. And Dave, I know you know full well that uh, there are, there is a conference actively trying to do this and may well succeed if there's a, if it's, if it's a six team automatic bid. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I, I couldn't, didn't want to say too much on, but that's, that's what I see in front. And and we haven't even talked about what I think is the other elephant that I know bugs the heck out of everybody because the questions raised, does, does, does a conference get an extra bid? The answer was no, there's one that does because it's a quirk. The math's there that could allow the Mac to have two bids if they wanted to do that. Coming it's, up because a couple of schools are adding football, another school right, added, because, adding football. Yeah, it's not right. an immediate. It, they're gonna. They could be at twelve. They could be. I, it, who knows what team could drop? I don't want to uh, make this a, as an absolute. Okay, there's another bid. I mean, before we're done here, we could come up. And granted, some of it's a little bit on the on the uh, extreme. You could come up with moving almost all those five bids. Yeah, absolutely. It's not impossible to go to to see a scenario where there's 32 automatic bids. Frankly, I mean, the Empire 8 and the Liberty League have been gaming themselves uh, in football for several years. They traded Buffalo State from the Empire 8 to the Liberty League. Buffalo State is not really a profile of a Liberty League school. No, Liberty League takes them. (laughs) Right. The Liberty League takes them because they need that seventh team for the automatic bid. Um there, it is not at all unlikely to see those things continue to happen. And, you know, with those, I think it's 10 conferences. If you took uh, 10 or 11, if you take those teams out, uh, put them in pool B, then you've got, I think it was those 10 conferences. You probably have eight pool B bids. And that seems about right. There's still plenty of championship access for those. Yes. Uh, those 70 schools, uh, lots of opportunities. We uh, get back a couple of at-large bids, which those Pool B teams could qualify for, yeah. for Pool C bids. That's not impossible. Um, I just feel like eight is the right size for a football automatic bid. That makes some sense. Conferences want to, I mean, conferences really want to have 10 football programs because that makes their scheduling, scheduling real easy. <laughs> yeah. Or eight is okay because eight's an even number. Right. Um, you don't really want to have seven. It's kind of a mess. True. Um, let's you know, let's legislate the eight football is already different anyway, right? Football is five weeks. Football is locked at 32 teams and can't go any higher. Football is already losing. I mean, it's gonna, uh, it would take another vote to move it to a larger, but we're, and, and Brad said it, it, it would take another week or some ad hoc way of doing it, but that's not a, a clear cut decision. As much as presidents love football, are they going to love doing that? And football already spends, million on its tournament. You add another round. Well, you add another round. You're going to add four more teams to the tournament right now. I think we're supposed to have four. uh, We're supposed to have 36 by, uh, by the access ratio or, or so. And we only have 32. So you're adding certainly more doable. You're adding four first round games uh, or you're adding, uh, you know, 28 first round buys if you prefer, um, play in. <laughs> no, it's not a play in. No, I know. I, know. I use, play-in. I use the air quotes. <laughs> I know. Um, so, and, and you know, like the same arguments that were made in, uh, 1999, when we finally got from a four week tournament to a five week tournament is like, you know, it's only going to be two teams that are playing the extra week. Similarly, it's only going to be if we got a six week tournament, which I was just happy to hear uh, Brad Bankson suggest that 
that was not completely impossible. Yeah, no, that was nice to hear. And this is a guy who's been, you know, as he said, not only the football championships chair, but on the division three overall championships committee. So to hear him suggest that that's not completely impossible uh, certainly has to make football fans uh, just a little bit happier than they would be about the rest of this. Yeah. So I, it all comes down to perspective and, and I agree with Brad, I would love to see this tabled referred gone back to the drawing board and say, okay, hold on. Let's completely revisit how we access the championship. Is are we is a blanket policy for all sports the right policy? And it probably isn't. Listen, you don't mess with the access ratio. You leave the access ratio alone. That's fine. That's where your blanket can be legit because it gives you a bedrock. But from that bedrock, build on it per sport. If it needs to be six for the AQ in certain sports, so be it. If it needs to be eight in some sports, great. It needs to be higher. I don't know the magic words there, but that's a good idea. Let's go down that road instead of this overall blanket idea. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately in some cases, but uh, in this case, unfortunately, division three likes to do it this way where it is exactly the same for everything. These are not the same sports. These are apples and Volkswagens. Let's be honest. (laughs) Great example. Um, I'm I'm curious because my conversations are this is going to pass. I've actually been told by people we're voting no, but we're very sure it's passing. Um, I don't know of conversations like this because some of this sounds like it's already been rumbling through the division or maybe the eyes aren't open to how this can impact individual sports. Maybe that happens convention week a little bit and by the time they get to saturday because remember there's some time with conversations with people and whatnot maybe by saturday there's finally a hold on a second maybe this isn't the right move i I don't know i could be completely off my rocker and by saturday this is overwhelmingly voted through and i know on the football side people start turning around and looking they're going to start looking at what happens next and and maybe it you know we'll see what happens granted it won't happen instantaneously um, some of it maybe might have time to, to fix it later, but some of it might happen almost instantaneously. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I we'll see. I, you, you still got to get your ducks in a row sometimes, even, even the big moves. So we'll see how it all plays out, but I'll be fascinated if that one, I'm definitely going to be keeping a key eye on. I think they stream now the, um, the, uh, the business session. Um, if they don't, they should be, uh, I'm hoping to make sure to carve out time to watch those, those morning meetings. We'll just someone send someone with uh with it with Twitch and we'll get it uh, streamed somehow, right? <laughs> um, I, and then obviously it, it comes down to D three status per the Constitution and money. Um, as I said earlier, I I think I found more interesting. It wasn't the three point one eight percent that was the talking point. It was the seven point five five percent. The Division two and Division three as a whole gather. And as I said earlier, why can't we round up? to 7.75 or 8%. Granted, that's a larger leap. D2 doesn't lose the money, but D3 gets a little bit of extra just to make sure Division One can do what it wants to do. Uh, in the meantime, Division Three is treated as the rest of the NCAA keeps putting it up on the mantelpiece as this is how the NCAA is. All right, then give us a little bit more money so our championships can be just the way the NCAA is. Just a little bit more, right? Just- um a small bit makes a huge difference. 
right? 3.18% of what I think you mentioned. Uh, I don't remember how big the pie is. I know that Division Three's share of the pie, you said uh, before we got million. on, is $35 million. And so I guess the nice thing, there's two nice things about this. One, and uh, Stevie and Brad hit this really well, but uh, just to react to that, that Division Three is going to have you know, basically full autonomy over its business yep. matters and does not need to go to division one and division two for ratification. If it wants to raise its dues, that's great. Good to hear that. Um, that some of that overhead cost, yeah, we get the overhead back is going to get taken away and doesn't have to come out of division three's budget. And that clears us another one and a half or so, maybe one and a yeah. quarter million dollars. That's almost an entire other championship. Um, which is good because we seem to keep adding championships without uh, getting <laughs> to true. add more money. Um, those are, those are good things to hear. Um, and you know, of course, uh, I only heard the words power five spoken once in that entire almost hour long round table. Right. Yeah. So there's that elephant also, um, which, you know, could of course stomp all over, you know, a, a herd of them, whatever it's a, um, 64 of them or something like that yeah, could stomp like all that. over the other thousand uh, NCA members and really uh, put a whole screwing to the rest of us. But yeah. uh, otherwise um, it does sound like that's a, that's a positive for division three. It's, it's just a small positive. It'd be nice to have bigger positives. We're, we're at least getting some and, and something I read too, I read an article uh, or two articles about it recently, how the next women's basketball tournament could actually be a, a little bit of a boon. And I'm using that, term myself that basically the NCAA has been giving it away a little bit for free. And I'm using that term loosely as well, but that it, the next contract when it expires and it's relatively soon could actually with women's basketball be somewhat of a boost. And that would then turn into more money for division three. I, I don't, it's not been that long ago. I remember it was a $25 million budget. So the money's obviously gone up, but as it's gone up, so have expenses, so has administration. So have sports, as you pointed out, it, the costs have gone up too. looking at the recent numbers. I remember at one time, I think only one sport would be over or one gender of one sport would be over a million dollars. Now you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe sports that are over a million dollars easily. Yeah. Um, the and, cost of travel has just gone through well, the, it's the, in the last right. five years. And the travel in so. the, and the hotels and all that is, is huge part of that cost. Um, and in a sport like football, where you have to basically charter that flight due to all the equipment that, that adds to a cost. But my point being, there is more money coming. And if we could getting the overhead removed, that's nice. It's too bad. We couldn't get just a little bit of a roll up on that percentage point. It clearly wasn't going to happen. Everybody I've talked to said, yeah, we tried and it wasn't a place anyone was going. Yeah. And sometimes you need to know when to quit. Um, but I, I mean, so it's an interesting, it, but it also seemed like there was some reception, at least from above. And I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek from division one and going, yeah, you know what? We get it. Listen, don't pay for the overhead. We'll, we'll cover everything that you normally have to pay for here. We'll take that. That'll be done. That's done from the regular general budget. You don't have to be paying out of yourself. I'm sure that went for division two. I haven't done the research on that. That's, that's not chump change. Right. As you said. But I would I would take five percent more of almost anything that is a budget in yeah. my life for sure. And then again, if it, if Division three decides, forget it, voting against this, we're not going to do it, and it fails, nothing changes. Division one might be pissed, but nothing changes. One thing that I heard that I thought I do want to follow that I found fascinating, Stevie. 
Uh, Baker Watson made a reference to Division Four in the simple fact that I want to compare the votes of when we had the Division Four conversation that yeah, this isn't right to now changing the Constitution and everything. If it's in line, then you put up. If it's not, where are you? That is interesting, right? And I, it has been, I think she said 15 years. I think it might even be longer. Yeah, I um, yeah, I've lost track as to how long ago that was. Um, I don't remember that it actually came to a vote. Was it just straw polling that we had on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Because if I were, if it were me, I wouldn't want to have something come to the floor and have just 25% of people support it. That's just, uh, you know, that's just asinine. That's not good legislating. Uh, no, if you're trying to make a proposal we've seen and you that know, before. Well, if you're trying to make a proposal and you know, you don't have anywhere near that's uh, a fair point, though. the votes on that, you should not subject everybody to a public vote on that. That's just embarrassing for your cause, frankly. Yeah, no, agree. Um, but I think we generally, I have an idea of who, Oh, yeah. four might be right. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, and, you know, there are some there was some division four uh, in that in that panel. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I I, I think for some that idea was maybe presidents who had other, you know, lofty ideas. Um, right. And that's changed being with like institutions, right? Like institutions or better than that, you know, it. And I'm not even referencing anybody in particular, to be honest with you. I just know that we we know in conversations that sometimes presidents have man- mindsets that don't relate to their athletic department or don't relate to the larger cause or don't relate to anything in particular. It's just them trying to put their name on something. Well, and let's be honest, too. I bet it's a an extremely low percentage of people who cast those votes or would have cast those votes back in 2005 or whatever it was. And the people who are going to cast votes next week, division three presidencies generally don't stick around that long. This is a stepping stone to somewhere else, or it's someone who is, you know, like a provost at another institution and then is going to take a president's job uh, in their late fifties and then retire. I I'd be highly, highly surprised if more than like, 10% overlaps between those two uh, voting Yeah, I bodies. think you're right. No, I, I would agree with you. And, and I had a conversation with several people recently, just keeping my ear to the grindstone on some things and or ear to the ground or whatever the f- saying is. Yeah, it nose goes to the grindstone. Nose goes, goes, goes to the ground. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Right. Um, and if you put the grindstone just right, you can forehead do goes to the desk and yeah, palm right. goes to the face. <laughs> but their point was, listen, yeah, you, you knew that setup as it were as that, the yeah. presidents have all changed. Now yeah. the new those in place in that scenario don't have that same thinking per example A or example B or example C. They've got a, a, a more nuanced or a different or whatever. And so it does evolve and it does change. And I, I agree. I, I know somebody brought up Division Four on the chat boards at one point, and I just didn't read into any of this as a Division Four move. Now, what I did find interesting, I think this is where people read into it, and it has nothing to do with Division Three. Part of the Constitution allows each division to create a subdivision if it so chooses. That's FBS and FCS. That's that's what we're discussing here. If that were to be needed at Division One for other things, well, oh, by but, the way, basketball. <laughs> but that doesn't mean. I mean, certainly could be considered. I, there was some talk in the three versus four, and also have a three versus three double A. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I I don't want to dive into that hole. I just meant that it's interesting how this has all come together. Um, I, 
I assume this Constitution is going to change. I agree with you. The language, I've read through the Constitutions many times, because sometimes when I'm trying to find a rule, it's not in the Division Three rule book, it's in the Constitution, and i got to go reference that. It's a very simple Constitution. Um, the new one. It, hmm? The new one. The new one. Thank, thank yeah. you. Yes, the new one is simple. And at first, I was a little ticked off that the Board of Governors was getting kind of shrunk after we just went through a growth. But then I went, oh, right, each division is going to have a Board of Governors. Okay. And the overall one's going to kind of be even. Okay, I kind of understand this now. I, I'm putting the pieces together better. It, it It's going to be a fascinating week in, in Indy. Am I allowed to use the reactions? I'm just applauding that uh, we'll have a Board of Governors that makes a little more sense for division. Yes, today. yes. Okay. Agreed with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just um, on, I'm on a Zoom call like I am so many times a day. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, I guess, we, I mean, we've pretty much covered it all. I don't know if there was anything else in particular you wanted to hit on, so I'll certainly give you the floor here. No, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the nice thing is that a lot of work has been done on this, so that's uh, that's super helpful. Um, what did we learn? Did we learn anything on the redshirting thing? Oh, good point. Yeah, that one I should have, we should have talked about, yeah, that one startles me a little bit. Uh, I do find the words of, oh, I think it was Jason uh, Fine who said, listen, we see these things come and come back all the time. You know, something that got voted down years ago comes, comes reappearing. And again, back to our conversation that you get people in, in new positions and thought processes. I, I, I'm a little startled and especially the group, I don't have it in front of me. I'll try and find it here in a moment that supported it, or at least brought it to the table. Um, I, I'm a little torn. I kind of understand it from a, Hey, listen, we need, um, to retain, we want to keep students, et cetera. But this is, this is the antithesis of, of D3 to some degree. You come in, you get an education, you get the opportunity to play. We're not yeah. talking about trying to stick around for five or six years. Um, so I'm a little surprised it's coming up and I, I don't see why it would pass, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, by the way, the group was the American East or Atlantic East Conference of the AEC, Empire 8, and Liberty. That doesn't seem like, those don't seem like the kind of uh, schools, especially the Liberty League, that wants to kind of subvert, not subvert, but, you know, change the philosophy of Division Three. I felt yeah. like the Liberty League is very much in that uh, in that mold. Um, that is very strange. I, you know, I would have liked to hear more and, you know, from obviously nobody on, on the panel is involved with one of those conferences, right? right? So we don't really know what the motivation is necessarily. Um, I can understand trying to retain students for goodness sake. Every school is trying to retain students, um, especially in this day and age. It is, uh, it's a jungle out there, right? Um, but I don't believe that going back to redshirting makes a whole lot of sense. I don't think there's going to be widespread support for it unless there's, unless we're talking about a very narrow specific case for it. Um, I just don't see it. Like uh, you're talking about retaining kids. One of the things that I kind of harken back to years and years ago, I worked at a school that had a large JV program uh, for basketball, for men's basketball. So they're like 15 or 16 freshmen or, you know, freshmen and maybe a couple sophomores uh, who were in that group. They, I don't know if they were being developed. Uh, they were just, you know, guys who, um, who you could keep in the school. And it wasn't a school who needed 15 extra guys to fill beds necessarily. Right. Um, but there are schools maybe where that is the case uh, or, you know, is, so is there what I'm trying to say, maybe a limited use case where, you know, some sort of sub varsity competition gets exempted for one year, maybe, 
could be talked into that if you have really good reasoning for it and you know that sort of thing i mean we want to help our institutions survive right but we have 460 of them um i don't know that we need to have all of them survive if i'm being brutally honest no, there's I, some, some not, schools i don't know how i don't know how they stay open yeah um, i mean if that's how you're all staying alive then there's a bigger issue here clearly um right. yeah i don't love the idea that you you practice the entire season yeah you never make a game and oh hey you can come back and do that again you you didn't lose eligibility i mean you dedicated the same amount of time as every other student athlete on that team who played you just didn't happen to get into a game why why does that why in division 3 is that something that should be allowing you another opportunity I, well, and also, if I may say, why in 2022 also? Yeah. We have so much extra eligibility going on out there right now, yeah, right? Right now, this because, is yeah. because, of, uh, because of COVID, right? So everybody got a year uh, back, essentially, for 2020, right. 21, more or less. There is so much eligibility. We don't really need to create more, in my no. opinion. Already super backlogged in a lot of sports and a lot of schools. And well, and that, and I don't remember if it was this topic specifically, but on a couple of them, no, the, the comment was made by that, that, that group. Listen, we vote the new constitution in some of these things may become mute points that, that we want to refer to a later date. Cause we, we need to kind of not reinvent ourselves, but we need to now put down exactly who we are. And some of these things do not need to be voted on right now. This, this is not the time to do that when we're going to kind of reinvent things and, and twist things and rewrite things down the road. So I, I thought that yeah. was a very good point. Maybe half of these proposals just get, you know what? Listen, we got, we got bigger fish to fry right now. We'll, we'll get to this while we discuss all of that. Right. And, yeah. and we'll see how that goes. I don't know. And is it possible, like was suggested that we might not do legislation every year. That is. An oh, that was an interesting thought. Too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, so you I think talk some things you got to deal with, but I, I am a little worried that maybe you draw things out too far. True. Some things need to be changed. You don't wait two years to do it. Yeah. I think like if there's a hybrid of that, it's like you deal with your non-controversial legislation every year. Yeah. Um, but some of these big picture things, maybe you don't need to have uh, talked about every year. Uh, Dave, you talked earlier about the fact that over the course of a convention, opinion may drift as people talk to each other. Um, you know, that would be even more so if we added an extra year to the process. Um, but I think also this year, um, I wonder how much that will be because not everybody's going to be attending in person. Uh, I hope that people who are, are attending in person are going to be mindful of the spread of the virus and are going to yeah, be Stevie not, made a comment about that, right? Not doing a whole lot of those, uh, in-person yeah. you know, conversations, Obviously, some of those things have to happen, and in order to be an effective legislative, just do it body, the right way, right? But there, there will probably be less conversation, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and no, be, you're right. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that goes. Well, and I just thought of this, and maybe, maybe I'm I'm off here, but if you split into three different divisions, officially, essentially, in the sense that you don't need all three divisions to be at the same place at the same time, I see where vote, you're going. Maybe Division Three says, listen. We have a better time when we can meet for our group. It's in June. And in 18 months after that, we'll meet again. Or whatever the timing is that works for Division Three. They don't need to go with D1. Excuse the alarm. We don't need to go with D1. We don't need to be there at that meeting because we have nothing to be there for. 
Does that mean our know. time's up? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> um, but maybe, and maybe I don't understand something about the Constitution that still requires everybody to be there because there there may be something that has. But I thought that's where the BOGs can come into play or or whatever. But I, I don't well, know. I mean, it's just an off the wall thought. It is one of those things, right? That is required to be a member in good standing, right? You need to have someone in attendance at the convention. Do I remember well, that? That's correctly? what I'm saying is maybe the yeah. conventions aren't an entire NCA convention anymore. Maybe it's just your individual division can meet when you need to to be in good standing, but at the same time handle your business. You don't need to be at the big wig one where D one's gathering because you have no business there. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean you literally. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Have no business at this meeting. Yeah. We'll take care of our business at our meeting. I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I certainly know. understand that there's some utility to that. Um, I, I think it also, though, puts Division Three even more in the shadows, um, you know, where they don't have well, any point. visibility at that event. So, yeah, fair point. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, like I said, off the wall just literally came to me. Um, and that's why we bounce things around. So, it, it, it's going to be, a, it's, it's going to be a fascinating week. And, and heck, by the time we get to Saturday, like I said, some of these things might not even be voted on. And they they yeah. they may pull tail and go, listen, we we want to do do this a different way. And that's uh, how it goes. It happens often. I've seen many a vote uh that I swear was going one direction, not change directions, but all of a sudden go, you know what, this isn't gonna work. We're gonna we gotta pull up stakes. Um the uh change to how many games are played in a regular season oh, one yeah. was that. Yeah. Again, a, a an attempt to do something across the board for everything because well, some we're nuance, not, but not right. a lot. No, a the, lot. the number was just a little off. Yeah. I mean, again, they wanted to do it to football and to take your 10 football games to nine is well, well I thought as, football was exempt from that. Am I wrong? I don't I don't remember it that way. I could be. No, you might be right. I could be remembering it wrong, but to do that would be not just as a nine to be as a 10. Yeah. But basketball and ice hockey would go from like 25 to nicely done uh, 25 to <laughs> 21 or something. And I think that one was the one, I mean, other sports certainly scream bloody murder about theirs. But anyway, my point being, yeah. it seemed to be going in one direction. It looked like it was going to come to a vote, going to be contentious. And all of a sudden in the middle of that convention, you started to sense, Oh, this isn't going well. And they said, listen, we're going to refer it. And it was like, no, nope, we're not going to have the votes here. This is not going to be pretty. Dave, this is what we do, right? We try to hamper every sport in order to fix. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was baseball and softball that needed to be fixed. We, I think that was, yeah. We regionally realigned every sport in order to basically, I think, fix men's lacrosse. And no, no, that's my theory. (laughs) I know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into your theory. I'm going to, I'm going to amplify that uh, as well. Um, And now are we going to, we're going to uh, break uh, we're going to break a bunch of sports in order to fix uh, field hockey and ice hockey and men's volleyball. Yeah. The across the board ideas sometimes need to be a little bit more nuanced. Yeah. And I loved hearing that from them. I really did. It would be to bring this back to a basketball audience for a second. Yeah. It would be like if you took the same number of all Americans from a region that has 35 teams as you do from one that has, say, 68 teams. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. I'm gonna leave it right there. That's a ten. I mean, mm-hmm. Reaching to the yeah, nope. That's it. That's all I got. Gonna be good. <laughs> hey, uh, really appreciate the chat. We should do it more often. Ellie, I mean, I've heard from people we should do it more often. I'm you know what? Football's done. I am oh, able go. to talk more often, and I, you know, I am able to rearrange my office to do this. 
more often because I don't have to do podcasts. You should week. just make it permanent, sir. I, I mean, the idea is here for you. Take it. Run. I, <laughs> I mean, so over here, I've got like the soundproofing stuff and that sort of thing right here. Yeah. I just have fancy looking background. I like your background. I've been thinking about getting a, a green screen just to change up the background, but I also like ours. So it's cute. You have a nice background for sure. Yeah, it works. We're just going to, if we start doing other sports though, we're going to have to rethink it. But anyway, Hey, sir. Thanks so much. As always, uh, I give you the floor though. Sincerely a uh, final word for anybody who might be tuned in. I mean, if, if you're a president, if you're a university president or someone who's casting these votes, think very carefully about, you know, what you're doing in terms of automatic qualifiers. I think that uh, providing one across the board solution just is not something that's going to make sense for every sport, for every school. We have to buckle down and do some hard work in order to make these things tailored to individual sports. And I think division three needs to do that. And the division three student athletes absolutely deserve it. Well said, sir. Thanks for the time. As always, look forward to catching up with you on a more ba basketball-centric topic, but enjoy the chat all, all, all the same. You bet, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Once again, that was Pat Coleman of T3Sports.com joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. I appreciate his time and uh, all of his uh, insight and takes on, on all of that. And it's going to wrap up our special edition of Hoopsville regarding the NCAA convention. The convention is being held in Indianapolis, which is also the home of the NCAA headquarters. Those who will be in attendance are arriving as early as Tuesday when representatives of the National, Soci uh, National Student Ath Athletes Advisory Committees, the National SAC, will be getting together. Many more of the important meetings, including conferences, board of governors, and others will begin on Wednesday with the honors celebration and all of that entails taking place that night. Uh, a number of meetings will then kick off on Thursday, followed by the State of College Sports that afternoon, which will immediately be followed by the association-wide business session. That is when the new constitution will be debated on and voted on and all that that entails. The issues form where some of the legislation for the future gets thrown around sometimes. Even straw polls on topics will take place. That is Friday morning for all the divisions, followed by a more formal conference meetings that afternoon. And then on Saturday morning, it is the formal business session for each representative, uh, representative uh, rep, each division is what I'm trying to say. That's when D3 will formally debate and vote or not vote, maybe, on legislative items. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on these things throughout the week. Even if I can't be an indie myself, we will have updates on Thursday's edition of Hoopsville starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we will have the follow-up, including conversation with anything that may have taken place that was important. That will take place on Monday's live show. You can also follow us on social media for updates. We're on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. While not as active as Twitter, we you can find us on Instagram with all that same information as well, D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And you can always email the show, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Once again, thank you to Dr. Angel Mason, Athletics Director at Barry College, Jason Fine, Director of Athletics at Bates College, Stevie Baker Watson, Associate Vice President for Student Wellness and Director of Athletics at DePaul University, and of course, Brad Bankston, Commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, and a big thank you to Pat Coleman, Editor-in-Chief of the D3Sports.com and the umbrella of websites underneath. Uh, thank you for taking the time to watch or maybe listen to this episode. I certainly appreciate it. And if you were watching, maybe you noticed a, a slight problem with my glasses. I hope it'd be better uh, to inform you on the historic NCAA uh, convention that's coming up. 
uh, and D D three's role in it, and what they're considering this week. Reminder that we are covering Division three basketball on Mondays and Thursdays live, starting at seven p.m. Eastern for the rest of the season. I want to thank uh, D3Sports.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and Blue Frame Technology, and their Team One Sports app for web streaming for all of their support in helping put Hoopsville on the air. If you would like to advertise or be a sponsor on Hoopsville, please get in touch with us. We would love to chat with you. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.